Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Uh, praise the Lord. That was a wonderful time of worship. want to thank you guys for being with us. Uh, my name is Virgil Moore, and I'm going to say I am a disciple maker, and it's going to make sense towards the end of this message, but I am a disciple maker, uh, and I pray that you will be the same. <laughs> Uh, you should be the same disciple makers. We make disciples. Um, but um, old man winner would not let us go last night, did he? <laughs> he said, I'm still around, y'all. <laughs> it was cold. Uh, but glad you guys could come out in the day. It's turned out to be nice. Um, last week we talked about uh, lessons from the vine. And so today, again, it's a continuation. I'll probably be having several messages uh, concerning the vine and discipleship and uh, along that vein for the next couple of weeks that I'm preaching. I think there's some other people that will be preaching uh, in between some times that I'm preaching. Uh, but we're going to jump right into it. The trellis. So, we, so the lesson from the vine today is the trellis. Uh, are we familiar with what a trellis looks like? We kind of know what it is. It's that structure normally made of lattice work, cross, uh, can be wood, can be iron. Um, sometimes it's flat up against the wall, and sometimes it can be arched. And, um, and it's used mainly um, as supporting the vine, as a port for the vine. Uh, and it's going to make sense once we get into this a little bit more. We're going to come out of the same scripture that we read last time, last Sunday, which was John 15, 1 through 8. We're going to focus more on 8 today um, and it reads I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you Unless you abide in me. And some reference when it talks about being clean. And um, you know how sometimes you have really dirty dishes. Uh, you made them, Maybe you let them sit for a couple of days. And uh, what do you normally do? You let them soak, right? You, let them, you may, My wife would say that's the lazy man's way of doing the dishes. <laughs> uh, but sometimes that abiding means that you're going to soak in. And it makes it easier to clean. Right. So this is just a, a visual that I have when I read it. I'm sorry. Uh, verse five. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me. You can do nothing without me. You can do nothing without me. You can do nothing without me. You can do nothing. <laughs> if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out. As a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. That's good. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. This is how the Lord is honored. That you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And some versions say, says proving that you will be my disciples. So when you bear much fruit, you prove that we are his disciples. 
And if you are a disciple, you are a disciple maker. That means that you're just not being discipled by, in this instance, Jesus. The expectation is that you're going to take what he's giving you and you're going to teach someone else. And then they're going to do the same thing. And they're going to bear more fruit and it's going to continue on. And um, So you'll be my disciple and you'll be a disciple maker. So, again, we're talking about the trellis. That structure, the framework, light, wooden, or metal, chiefly used to support for fruit trees or climbing plants or vines. Does the trellis grow fruit? No. Unfortunately, we tend to focus on the trellis and not the vine. So the trellis in this would be, you know, my position in church, my uh, I'm over this activity, I'm in this committee, uh, the structure that supports the vine, right? And that's and I'm not saying that structure can't be good. I'm not saying that structure is, isn't needed, but it's not required to bear fruit. It's nice to have the structure, but it's not a requirement. And so much of our time can be focused on the structure that we forget about the fruit and the vine. Uh, and to be honest... Working on the trellis is easier for many of us. It's easy to say, I'm busy doing church work. I'm busy coming here for choir practice, and I have a meeting at church, and I have this function, and I have this going on at church, and I have all this stuff that keeps me busy doing trellis work, but not vine work. And so then we see... We've done all this trellis work, but we have no fruit. (laughs) And you guys told me that trellises don't bear fruit. (laughs) Trellis work can look impressive. (laughs) Trellis work, you can see really nice trellises, and people say, oh, that's a beautiful trellis. But it can have no fruit on it. (laughs) And all you see is the nice structure that functions at a support and you have all this going on and you have this committee and this follow-up group and this uh, little section here and this whatever, but it's not bearing fruit. The trellises don't bear fruit. And to be honest, we have gotten caught up in trellis work, especially the American church. I've only known the American church, so... (laughs) But from what I hear, in other countries, they are not so caught up in the fluff of church, the building, the let's grow and let's have 20 services and let's do all this stuff and let's have all these youth functions and activities and Easter egg hunts that may be coming up and all this stuff. Uh, (laughs) We're getting busy doing the annual anniversary type things. And forgetting about the work of the vine that actually bears the fruit. And so many of us will get caught up in trellis work. And at the end, we say, look at this nice trellis I have. And the Lord is saying, where is your fruit? Can't abide in the trellis. (laughs) You abide in the vine. And don't get it twisted. 
So when I said abide last time, um, so many of us can think, well, all I got to do is just sit. All I got to do is just be there, right? Because that's what abiding is. You're just staying in his presence. But you're going to, just like the tea example that I used last time and even the dish water example that I use today, when you abide, it changes you. So you're not abiding and just sitting like a, a frog on a log and saying, oh, well, here I am. I'm just going to be here. But you're abiding and it's going to change you. Just like when you put that tea bag in that hot water, that water is going to change. That environment is going to change. You are going to change. And because of your abiding in his presence, you're going to want to do some things as fruit, as branches. You're going to, you're going to be encouraged by, by your abiding to do some things. So I'm going to listen things that while you abide, this is what you should be doing. Because it honors the Lord. So while you abide, you should be praying. First Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18 says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Well, pray sometimes. No, pray without ceasing. Giving thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. While you abide, you need to die to self. <laughs> Galatians 2, 20 to 21. I have been what? Crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I have to remind myself that, y'all, when I'm thinking about jumping out of a dock again and I scrape my knee. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not my life. It's his. He's reminded me that during the fast, and I pray that he remi- continues to remind me. But some of you may need to be reminded that this is not your life. That it belongs to him. Um. You're going to pray. You're going to die to self. Um, you're going to listen and be obedient while you're abiding. So you're just not abiding and doing your own thing. You're going to listen and be obedient. Uh, John 15:10 says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So abiding in him, you're going to listen and you're going to be obedient. And I think that listening is important. And that means that you're going to have to have opportunities where it is quiet. That, that you're actually focused and not actually asking for something or not requesting something, but actually listening for the Lord to speak to you. And that may be through his word. That may be through someone else. That may be through what you see around you. That may be, what, may, may be some example for what, be, what was going on in your family or in your life. He is speaking to us. Maybe it's in a dream, but he's speaking, and it is important that you listen. Uh, While you abide, you're going to read and study your word. Read and study your word. Be diligent 
to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's 2 Timothy 2.15. Timothy 2.15. You're going to praise and you're going to worship. We're going to repent and ask for forgiveness and to forgive others in the process. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So you're doing all this while you're abiding. And more importantly, while you abide, you're going to make disciples. I think sometimes we forget as a church that that is our main function. <laughs> that is what God has called the church to do is to make disciples. Matthew 28 talks about go and therefore and make disciples baptizing in his name. He desires, his church's main purpose is to make disciples. Not to have meetings, not to worry about all the other stuff that churches worry about, not to have all the committees and looking for position and everything else. It is to make disciples. That is our goal. That is why he has us here in the earth to make disciples. Nothing more, nothing less. Sharing God's love to our brothers and sisters in Christ and to the world. I was listening listening to Pastor Ryan Peterson, uh, Southern Pines, uh, Grace Southern Pines, and he says discipleship is the people of God gathering around the presence of God with the word of God on mission for God. The people of God gathering around the presence of God with the word of God on mission for God. Y'all need to say it one more time? We got, y'all got it. The people of God gathering around the presence of God with the word of God on mission for God. It is intentional. So last Sunday when I preached and uh, someone came up to me because I kind of left and said, you know, if you're not discipling anyone, where you don't have any fruit. You know, that, that is where you're, you're not, who, who can you, who, do, who are you considering your disciple? Who are you discipling? Who are you sharing the gospel with? If you're not sharing, who are you pouring into so they're growing? And if they've already grown, then they should be replicating what you've done for them. And many of us may say, uh, I don't have anyone that I'm discipling. And I was reminded that, you know, we may be discipling our family members, our kids, our loved ones. Um, there may be, um, if you have kids, children, you're discipling them prayerfully. Um, there may be coworkers that, um, you may be discipling by your lifestyle that you live in front of them. You may be building relationship. That is all about discipleship. Um, you know, it is more important, I think, for you to talk to your neighbors than it is for you to come to some church function with other Christians. It is nice that we do that. It is nice that we get to know each other, and that's, that is important. But it is also important for you to make disciples. And as you make disciples, again, that doesn't mean that you neglect 
each other. We're going to love one another. We're going to encourage you as you're working with people and you're trying to make disciples and I'm doing the same. You can I can share with you, hey, this was successful and this guy got saved. We're not selling church, y'all. It's easier to invite someone to church than it is to say, if you were to die today, do you know where you would end up? It's easier to say, hey, come on to church than to say, hey, man, you know, the Lord spoke to me and I've been praying for you about this situation and I want to just pray with you. Do you you mind? I know. uh, Do you know where your soul is? Do you know how the state of your soul right now? It's easier to say, let me bring you to church tend to share the good news of the gospel. And we'll sell church all day. You give us an invite card, and we'll probably have some soon. (laughs) And we want you to give those out. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. But that's trellis work. (laughs) That's that's building the structure, just getting people in the, you know, bodies in the door. You're going to have to change your mind And say, it's just not trellis work that we need to do, but I need to be about making disciples. Jesus, when he was dying, when he came back to to his disciples, he reminded them, I want you to make disciples. (laughs) The, The great commission is to go. And the go is not as important as the make. Sometimes we put it on the go, and then we say go, like you're supposed to go on mission work or whatever. But the important thing is to make disciples. I'm not not saying that you neglect your invites. (laughs) But so many times the expectation is that uh, if I invite you, then it's the pastor's job to get you saved. If the pastor can get anybody saved. <laughs> so I had a coworker. Uh, maybe she'll look at this video. It'd be funny. <laughs> she knows I'm a Christian. And she's a Christian. And so and she knows that I preach sometimes and we talk about things. And uh, and some of my coworkers are not saved at all. And she came down to the office and she said, uh, Virgil, you still be working on getting these guys saved. And uh, <laughs> she said, Mr. Preacher Man, you're supposed to be working on getting them saved. And I looked at her and I was like, um, isn't that all of our jobs? <laughs> isn't it? But the expectation the world has, and unfortunately some people in church have, is that it is the pastor's job to do the spiritual stuff. I come in and sit and fulfill my relig- religious obligation and then go about my business. And I will invite. I'll at least do that because it's easier. But as far as trying to make disciples, which we're all are called to do, that is just not a leader's job. We are all called to do that. And the Lord is just dealing with me about some things in that vein. Uh, so I have not arrived, y'all. So, <laughs> but um, you know, we we will use that God can do the impossible on a whole lot of different things in our lives. You know, he can, he can save this person. He could do whatever. But sometimes the impossible is you opening your mouth and sharing the gospel. The impossible in your life might be 
you getting out of your comfort zone and saying, let me go speak to this brother and sister that I see day in and day out. And I know they're not saved and I know I'm supposed to witness to them. And I have not yet. And I ask God to do the impossible with my finances. I ask God to buy me a brand new car or whatever. All that impossible stuff that he can do. But the impossible thing is you opening your mouth and sharing Jesus with your neighbor, with that someone across the street, with the house behind you, sharing Jesus. Maybe that should be our prayer, that God, you do the impossible in me, that I can share the good news of the gospel. In a car, in a house, is nothing. <laughs> Sharing God's love to our brothers and sisters in Christ and to the world. I was listening to Francis Chan. Um, he's funny. <laughs> uh, but he, you know, he was telling a story about how uh, he's kind of fed up with church, too. This was, the year, this was several years ago, I think, that he was telling this story about how this church did all this, uh, had this grand Christmas extravaganza and all these people came in and they worked 20 hours a week for six or eight weeks in a row to do this big Christmas extravaganza. And uh, he looked when he was the pastor was telling him about it. He looked at him and said, wouldn't it be better if they spent that time just sharing the gospel with their neighbor? <laughs> and then he said, that guy said, they wouldn't do that. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I guess you're right. We would come to church, spend 20 hours a week for six or eight weeks to work on a Christmas production. And we could better spend that time sharing the good news of the gospel with the guy next door. And it wouldn't even take 20 hours. <laughs> or better yet, just building the relationship first. Just saying, hey, let me have you over. Let's, let's go for a run, or if you run. <laughs> oh, let's go for a walk. <laughs> let's, you know. I saw that you may have a need. Can I help you? Can I assist you? Let me build a relationship with you so then when I can speak into your life that you might actually accept it. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so we are so soaked in the vine that his love drenches us and that everyone will know that we are his disciples because of the love that exudes out of us and it's not fake it's not not to be mustered up not to be stirred up and not to be shook up but because i've abided in him he has touched my heart so and changed my environment so that now i have a love a deep, sincere love for his people. And because I love his people, I'm willing to share the gospel with his people. I'm willing to do life with his people. I'm willing to invite them over and open my home up and use my vehicle as necessary for his people. Because that's the fruit that he's looking for. I think we got church all wrong. <laughs> we come here and we want 
not saying that these things aren't good, the youth groups and children's church and marriage, ministry and singles and adult, young adult and adult and all that kind of stuff is great. But if we're not making disciples, then we're wasting our time. And you can have all the uh, growth plan and all the bells and whistles. Trellises are good, y'all. Don't get me wrong. A trellis is nice. It helps support the vine. But the vine can grow without a trellis. <laughs> and a trellis just looks nice if there's no vine on it. Free trellis, no vine. And we do need support. We do need things in the body to help us and to uh, move people around and to get people together. But that is not the end-all, be-all. It is for us to make disciples. I was going to read out of, so uh, reading this book, y'all, I'm going to start with this and I forgot. Uh, it's called The Trellis and the Vine. Very good book. I would recommend it. I'm not finished reading it, so I can't give it to anyone yet uh, or borrow, let you borrow. But yeah, definitely let me know if you like it. Uh, very good book. But it really has changed my thinking into what church should be about. And it gave the example, I'm not going to read it, I'll just give a synopsis of it. It talked about someone coming in church and saying, you know, asking a, a member, like, oh, you know, I've been coming here for a couple of Sundays, and it looks like you guys don't have anything for me to do, you know, what, it, what, what do you want me to do? It feels like all the, everything has been done, everything's been filled. And normally, in, in the example in this book, said normally us church folk, we try to think of where can we place this person, right? What job can we give them within the ministry? Maybe they can help in nursery. Maybe they can teach us a Sunday school class. Maybe they could help do this and help do that. And that is our focus, and that's been the focus for years in church, is to get people in and put them to work. Free volunteers, let's get them to work. And he said, very rarely do people say, <laughs> there's plenty to be done. You see that gentleman over there? He needs someone to talk to him. Why don't you get with him once a week or twice a month and share the word and do life with him? Or you see that new couple that just got married? I think they need some encouragement. They're having some trouble. Why don't you get with them and you guys meet twice a month and you share the gospel and you share the word and you do life with each other, maybe over a meal and you'll get to know them. Or, you know, the leaders are looking for people to help pray for people on Sundays. And, you know, those are, no one thinks that, right? That's not what we do. We want to put you in nursery. <laughs> but when you do that, when you put it that way, there's always work to be done. It's never ending. You can never say, oh, all the jobs are filled at this church and everyone's doing everything. No. People need to be met with. People need to share the gospel with. Some people need to just an encouraging word. Some people just need the love of their brothers and sisters in Christ to get together and encourage one another. Some people are having just struggles in life and just want to know that someone cares. And just a call or a, hey, let's do lunch means the world changes their whole outlook because someone cares. Someone is showing the love of Christ and it's dripping off of us. 
That, that should be our, our motivation, y'all. I'm going to stay in this book for a while, so that's why I'll be preaching for it. <laughs> uh, it's called The Trellis in the Vine by Colin Marshall and Tony Payne. It came out, uh, I think, maybe like 13 years ago. I think 2010 was when it was released. And now they have a whole workbook. And um, I watched several interviews that the guy did, the author did. Very good. He's from Australia, by the way. Not that that's against him, but <laughs> just a fact. Um, but we have to think differently about church and what we're doing in church. And no scheme, is, is no pitch. It is downright easy from the, found, from the beginning of the church. It's discipleship. And I know that's not exciting. It's not ten, three quick steps and then your church will grow. It's not, you know, pour water and then automatically things. No. It is discipleship. And it is going to take us making disciples. So, again, I say my name is Virgil Moore and I'm a disciple maker. And that's how I'm going to start introducing myself. I want to challenge you. So I'm going to I want to challenge you with three things uh, in, during this Lent season. I said, I want you to meet with a fellow church member outside of church. Meet with a fellow church member outside of church. That means you might need to get their phone number and say, hey, let me call you. Let me see what your schedule's like. Let's get together, do lunch, dinner, coffee, whatever. Let's go skating. I don't know. <laughs> go to a movie. Meet with a fellow church member outside of church. Preferably someone you don't already meet with. <laughs> Identify. So that's the first thing I want you to do. That's my challenge for you. And this challenge is going to be before Easter. So you want to do this before Easter. So you got a couple weeks to kind of get it done, all right? So we're all accepting. When you came in the door, you didn't realize you signed on a dotted line that you were going to accept this challenge. So <laughs> the expectation is you're going to do it. Meet with a fellow church member. All right, the second thing you're going to do is identify an unsaved friend, coworker, family member, and share the gospel. All right, this is going to be the hard part, y'all. This is where you might have to say, Lord, I know you can do the impossible. And sometimes the impossible is me closing my mouth, but sometimes it's opening my mouth and sharing the gospel. Identify an unsaved friend, co-worker, family member, and share in the gospel. The gospel is uh, Jesus died. We're separated. Jesus came. He fulfilled that void between us and God. And now we have access to him. If you accept him into your life, now you have Jesus in your heart. That's two. That's number two. And then the third thing. It's a little trellis work, <laughs> is invite someone to church. And I'm sure that's the easiest one. I, I guarantee you the third thing is the easiest thing to do, right? We'll probably do that first because that's trellis work. That doesn't require a whole lot of, our, of ourselves. So three things. Meet, meet with a fellow church member outside of church. Identify unsafe friend, coworker, family member, and share the gospel and invite someone to church. We're going to pick back up on this in a couple of Sundays when I preach again. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but we'll pick back up on this. And we'll go through what it means to share the gospel. We want to go through what it looks like to have a church that 
makes disciples. How we want to change your thinking. Change your, let me just come in and be a spectator to, I am a part of this. Making disciples. We're going to have communion. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Thank you.